0: Welcome to the Lyme 360 podcast for all things related to Lyme disease and other chronic illnesses. I'm Mimi McLean, Mama 5, founder of Lyme 360 and a fellow Lyme warrior. Tune in each week to hear from doctors, health practitioners, and experts to learn about their treatments, struggles, and triumphs to help you on your healing journey. I'm here to heal with you. Before we get started today, I wanted to talk to you about Dr. Bill Rawls. He has written one of my favorite Lyme books, Unlocking Lyme. He's an MD whose life was upended because of Lyme. From this experience, he had to change his practice and figured out how to heal himself. Dr. Rawls has created his own line of herbal supplements that support the immune system as a Lyme warrior. He offers a survey on his website to help determine which supplements you need. Go to lime 360com forward slash Dr. Rawls, which is D-R-R-A-W-L-S, to learn more about these amazing herbal protocols I've been using. Hi, welcome back to the Lime podcast. This is Mimi McLean, and today we have Allie Maresco, and she is a Lyme warrior advocate and philanthropist that has worked to raise over $500,000 for Lyme research. She's the co-host of the Slightly Spiritual Podcast and the co-founder of Advocacy Express, a non-partisan platform that reaches out to state and government representatives to advocate for various issues important to their communities. Allie has worked to raise voices through letter campaigns and boost government awareness and underfunded and neglected issues such as chronic Lyme disease. To get my Detox for Lyme checklist, go to lime 360com forward slash detox checklist. Allie, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm excited to talk about everything that you do for the Lyme community. I mean, I feel like every time I turn around, like you are somewhere and doing something for the Lyme community. So thank you
1: so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I feel like so cool that I get to be on your podcast. <laughs> so thanks for having me. Well, you were one of the original people starting
0: a, a Lime podcast, and then you switched over now and you're doing this slightly spiritual podcast. But I mean, I think one of the things I love that you're doing is the Advocacy Express.
1: And is that your one year anniversary? Or what what year anniversary? Is it one year? Yes. in it's mid-November. It will be one official year of Advocacy Express, which I'm very, very excited for. That's great. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So like
0: if people want to get involved, they can learn about it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I obviously like so many people got sick with a mystery illness, right? Took two years to get diagnosed. um, And that was now like six or seven years ago. And then by the time I finally got my diagnosis, I was essentially like bedridden, had to stop working the whole nine yards, but like still needed something to focus on. So I started fundraising for like tick-borne disease research. And then as I got deeper into that, I realized that there are also so, so many deeply rooted issues as far as like our government agencies go, right? In relation to like tick-borne disease, Lyme disease. It's very outdated. There's so much controversy around it, as we all know. So it kind of hit me, I was like, wait, it doesn't matter how much money we raise until like the legislation and like the CDC directives and all of these things start to change. Nothing, in my opinion, is really going to get better for Lyme patients. So I started reaching out just to my congressmen, congresswomen, members of the Senate, local representatives in Illinois and just starting to like kind of get Lyme and like tick-borne diseases on their radar. And then I went to DC and this was in February of 2020, right before the pandemic, to lobby with Center for Lyme Action for the Hagan Tick Act. And it really just opened my eyes to how politics like really works and to the fact that what I heard when I sat down with all of these different politicians from all across the US was that If their constituents don't know or don't make it clear to them that they care about tick-borne disease and Lyme disease, they are not going to fight to change it, right? Because ultimately Mm -hmm. their goal is to work on what their constituents, like the people that live in their communities want so that they can get reelected because that's what they care about. So it hit me and I was like, oh my God, we have to like figure something out. So I started organizing these like letter writing campaigns Just through like Instagram, where I would basically just tell people, send me your email and I'll send you an email template. And all you have to do is like pop in your representative or whoever it is, like information and hit send in an email. So then my husband and I, who he used to work for the governor of Michigan, he knows public policy very, very well and political science and all these things. We started reading a lot of these reports, like very deep, years long reports about the government and how it works, like OpenGov and all these things. And what we found was that actually only one third of the emails that we send to our politicians are actually opened. Um, Yeah, which is really crazy. And honestly, I always like to say, like, it's really not their fault. It's because these offices are severely understaffed. And there literally is just not enough people to go through these messages because they just get inundated day in and day out. So we started researching okay, like what's the best way actually to get in touch with your politicians and have your voice heard? And we realized it was letters because letters are the only form of communication between you and your politicians that have to be legally opened and documented. Not phone Um, calls. Not phone calls. If you call and, like, let's say, you forget to give them your zip code or your address or your full name. It doesn't count. So there's all of these factors that like go into politics and legislation. There's like a lot of gatekeeping, obviously that goes on. So I just kind of decided one day I was like, okay, we have to do something about this and we have to start letting our representatives know that all of these people, hundreds and hundreds of thousands, probably millions of people in the U S in all of these districts are suffering from tick-borne disease and Lyme disease. So when I started doing these letter writing campaigns, eventually it was getting like every single time I put a call out for this, it was like 500 to 700 people that were responding. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't keep doing this. This is like too much for me to take on. So my husband and I put our heads together and we came up with Advocacy Express, which essentially is we have a team where we have a public policy writer that literally their sole job is to write letters for different districts to different politicians and representatives on behalf of constituents. And this is all self-funded. This isn't anything we make any money on. Like, you know, we're funding it ourselves. And the only thing people have to do is they basically supply the money for the stamps and that's it. And then we write the letters and we literally mail them on your behalf and We started with a Lyme disease letter. Now we have an SSI letter, which covers like disability rights, which hasn't been updated in like a crazy amount of time. People are like living well, well below, you know, the poverty level of their own SSI. So our goal really is just to to tackle all of these different tick-borne disease and like chronic disease issues that aren't getting enough attention. And we all Mm -hmm. know that like when you're so sick with a tick-borne illness, the last thing you have the brain power to do is like sit and write a letter. So I was like, okay, we just have to make this easy on people and give them the ability to like have their voice heard while they're still so sick.
0: And you, I realized too, is it doesn't take that many letters for them to actually put it on their docket or put it on their, realize that there's a problem, right? How many letters does it take for like a Congressman or Senator to say, okay, I have to make this a priority.
1: It depends on the office, but I picked the brain of a fairly large political consultant who helped to get a few different, like very big female senators elected. And what he had said was when he was working in Senator like Catherine Cortez Mastra's office was that literally all it took was for them to get 10 letters Mm -hmm. on a subject. And literally those letters were all on the Senator's desk. So really it only takes as little as like 10 letters From different constituents to get their attention, which really isn't a lot when you think about it and you think about the amount of people that live in a district.
0: Right. Which is crazy, which is good to know that you can make a difference just by doing it. So anybody who's listening, go to Advocacy Express, and that's where you would request to have the letter sent and make the donation for the stamps. It's really um, useful. And then I know you were also been really involved with the Global Lyme Alliance. Are you still involved with them? Oh yeah, I yeah. love to torture them. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to talk a little bit
1: about that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of like I said earlier, when I got sick, by trade I'm a publicist. I used to plan a lot of large, you know, events, brand events, celebrity events, stuff like that. So it's just kind of like what I'm good at and what I knew how to do. And you know, after I went to my first LLMD appointment and was like, "Oh my god, this is all out of pocket. The blood work isn't covered. Nothing's covered." And I really started looking into, you know, how marginalized tick-borne disease and Lyme patients, you know, are treated. I was like, okay, well, I have to like figure something out. I have to do something about this. So I started researching nonprofits and foundations and kind of just stumbled upon Global Lyme Alliance and sat and read their annual report. And at the time, I have not read it probably in the last year or two versus the other organizations, but at the time... And they very well still could be. I want to just make that clear. At the time, they were the highest per their annual report, essentially, like the money that they were bringing in from donations, the highest percent of that money brought in was actually going to research and to patients, not to like salaries or like how some of these other organizations are, which I really, really liked. So I chose to, I reached out to Global Lyme Alliance literally in a blind email and was like, hey... I live in Chicago. Let me help you. Um, They probably were like, Oh my God, who's this like 22 year old girl that got our email. And eventually Mm -hmm. they responded. And I ended up connecting with another Lyme patient in the Chicago community. And we started what went on to be the second largest global Lyme Alliance fundraiser ever called the Sublime Story. We started it in Chicago and basically it was like a gluten and dairy free gala that brought wine patients together. and We funded research and all these amazing things. So that's kind of how it started. And from there, I've just continued to work with them and fund everything from antibiotic research to research for care to research that looks into, you know, how spirochetes impact us neurologically and psychologically. And they're just, really great organization doing great work. And I've gotten to know truly like some of my best friends through volunteering with them and raising money.
0: So if anyone wanted to get involved in Global Lime Alliance, what's the best way to do that? Just to reach out to them directly? Or is there different, isn't there different like
1: levels you can be or something they have like an ambassador? Yeah. So now they have an ambassador program, um, which is great. And it's truly like an organized effort across the U.S. And ambassadors can kind of pick and choose like how they want to be involved. Like I know some of them will go into like elementary schools or high schools and give talks about, you know, Lyme disease prevention and tick checks and all these things. Some of them go, you know, and and talk to their representatives, talk to their politicians, they write letters. It's kind of nice because with GLA's ambassador program, you can kind of be involved as little or as much as you want to be, or as your health permits you to be. But no matter what, you're making a massive difference, you know, by doing it.
0: So you did PR before you were sick and we had to go out on disability, but you, you are also still doing that. And it seems like you're doing it for some line people too, because every now and then I get different emails and requests from you for guests. So are you able to still work or did you start your own thing?
1: What are you doing professionally? So before I got sick, I was in entertainment and celebrity PR. I owned my own firm. And I loved it, and then unfortunately got sick. Much like other people, had to completely stop working for treatment. Could barely open my eyes or get out of bed. And honestly, I kind of come to terms with the fact that I might never work again. And I was in like my early twenties. I was like twenty-three or twenty-four, and I thought, you know, oh my God, my career is over. What am I going to do with myself? Because just neurologically, I was in you know such distress. And still, I have neurologic issues, and you know different. Some days are more difficult than others. I know as we all feel, but I ended up, I think March will be two years. I went back to work and I decided that if I was going to work again, it would only be things that benefit the tick-borne disease community, the chronic illness community that I felt like would truly make a difference for people. So I started taking on clients specifically in the tick-borne disease space, like case integrative health and hygienics. And mighty well, and all these different organizations that I like really believe in and love and adore. And now, essentially, I, I handle all their public relations, their celebrity activations, anything really under like the communications umbrella. But some days look different than others, and um, I'm just really careful not, you know, to push myself and to listen to my body. And it's one of those things where nothing is worth your health. So definitely, it's true. So we were talking about this before we
0: got on, but I think you and I both agree that I think Lyme disease is like kind of like mono or, or EBV where it's like, it kind of stays with you. I mean, I know that's kind of debatable, but so right now like in your journey, are you, you're not back a hundred percent?
1: No, I'm not back hundred percent. You know what? I might not ever be, but my quality of life now is so much better than it was even a year ago, two years ago. And I know I've heard so many other patients say this and I'm sure you feel the same way that once you are so sick and you experience that, like even the smallest things you can appreciate. So while I might not be 100%, I'm just so happy to be able to do like anything or like go for a walk or, Mm -hmm. you know, like things of that nature. And, you know, personally for me, I I know that chronic neurological Lyme and that unless, you know, there is some kind of like very serious care that's down for people that are in the late stage of Lyme, which I do hope we see, you know, in our lifetimes, there's so much amazing research going on and so many efforts dedicated to this, but, you know, I'm probably going to have this the rest of my life and I'm okay with that. And I just know I have to manage it. What do you find works best for you? Like managing it wise, like at home that you do, or even not at home, just
0: any kind of treatment.
1: Yeah. So for me, People always ask me, like, what do you feel like helped you the most? And I always like to talk about like lime battling lime, like peeling an onion, because as you peel away, like other things pop up, then, you know, that you have to address. So I did a lot of treatments. So I don't want to make it sound like there was like one silver bullet that like really helped. But for me, it was two years ago. Actually, this month, I started IVIG therapy, which is like immune globulin therapy, And I still do that two weeks out of every month and it truly has been a game changer for me. So that's kind of medically what's going on right now. And then as far as just kind of managing my symptoms and stuff day to day, I'm very proactive um, with my health. Um, I try to eat, you know, a very low inflammation diet. I do a lot of infrared sauna, a lot of Epsom salt baths and take binders and I rest a lot, you know? So like for most people, a full day is probably like eight, 10 hours, stuff like that. Whereas like there's some days where I can, I'm really only active for like half a day or like four or five hours. That's all my body will allow me to do. And I just listen, you know, and I don't push myself and it sounds so simple, but I think it's like one of the best ways to manage how you feel. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, if someone were to call you and say, you know, Ellie, I just got Lyme. Or I have Lyme and I'm waiting to see my doctor. Or I don't have money to go see my doctor. What can I do at home to like start that process of
1: healing? What would you say? So I always like to, because obviously Lyme is such an expensive disease to treat as like all chronic diseases are, but we have it more difficult because insurance is certainly not on our side with things. The first thing I always tell people, this isn't necessarily something you do at home. I just always like to mention it is Lyme Treatment Foundation. Apply for a Lyme Treatment Foundation grant They now actually have a partnership with Igenix where you can apply for testing grants to get an accurate, efficient diagnosis. So go to Lyme Treatment Foundation, apply for a testing grant. And if you get that and you get tested and you have Lyme, then apply for a treatment grant. And that will get you pretty far. So that's number one. Number two, people that have just been diagnosed, I always like to send them to Global Lyme Alliance's Peer-to-Peer Foundation So my actually partner with fundraising and my co-chair for all my events, Casey Passon, who very, very, very sadly passed away. She started this peer-to-peer initiative with Global Lyme Alliance, where essentially, if you're a newly diagnosed patient, you can submit a form through the Global Lyme Alliance website, and they will match you with essentially like a Lyme veteran. So they might match you with somebody like me for mentorship and emotional support And guidance and it just it's really a phenomenal in-depth resource for people so I think those are probably the first couple of places or things that I would tell people to do also I know it's like much easier said than done but like don't lose hope because I was sick for so long couldn't get out of bed everything that so many other people are experiencing and I know it Some people really like to hear this and some people really don't, but it took me five years to find something that really worked. So if I had given up before that, you know, we never would have, would have figured it out and you know, who knows where I would be, but it's like, it's so trial and error with treatment. Like don't get discouraged if the first thing isn't this like massive help that you were like hoping it to be. It's like, you just have to keep going and you have to keep peeling back the layers And I guess the last thing that I'll say that was just like really good for me through my Lyme journey and still is to this day is just getting involved with the community, whether it's through like a generation Lyme support group or through listening to the Heal podcast or listening to, you know, all these other amazing things, whether it's going to virtual events, whether it's fundraising, becoming an ambassador, sending one letter to your representative. It just kind of gave me that purpose that I needed when it felt like, you know, so much had been taken away from me. It was mentally a really good thing. Those are great advice. Thank you so much. Now in the news lately, there
0: seems to be a lot more like celebrities that have come out talking mm-hmm. about Lyme. Do you think it's because there's more of an increase or they're just more accepting to talk about
1: what's going on in their personal life? You know, I think it's all of the above. I think... Especially just having a conversation um, about this with someone else. Because actually for one of my clients, we're about to partner with like a fairly big celebrity. So I'm very excited for that. But there is obviously still scrutiny involved with coming out that you've been diagnosed with like Lyme or tick-borne disease. There's always going to be the naysayers that don't understand or think it's easy to live with or people are being dramatic. So I certainly understand why celebrities and public figures like don't want to come out about it. It's like you're already battling this insidious disease. Do you really want to be like tormented online too? But I think there is a lot more awareness now. And as we see more people come out with it, like it's like a domino effect. Then there's like other public figures and celebrities that know it's okay to pu- publicly come out about it. Cause there's others, you know, in alignment with them. They're not just alone. I think the uptick in it of celebrities being diagnosed with Lyme. And honestly, I think there's a lot more than we even know about publicly that are confirmed. It's due really to like education and awareness. And it's just like for patients, right? Like this is why it's so important to share your story and educate like your loved ones, family, friends, et cetera, Lyme and how to prevent it and what to do if you get bit by a tick and the symptoms, because eventually somebody is like, oh my God, I have that symptom. And then they reach out and they know where to go get tested and how to get tested properly. So I think it's just something that now we're slowly starting to see, like the mainstream medical community, accept as an option for testing when people do have these quote unquote mystery symptoms and they can't be fit, you know, in a neat little box as Western traditional medicine likes to do. Mm-hmm. So really, I think it's just due to education, awareness, and the knowledge now that medical professionals have that, like, oh my gosh, tick-borne disease is actually a, a threat, and I should test my patient for this. That's just what I think.
0: No, that, it's true. Um, and then, with your advocacy, express, do you find that it's a bipartisan issue, or do you find that one party is more open to hearing about it and doing something about it and
1: reading your letters? So originally, I would have said. Like when I first got into it, there was absolutely one side that was more interested in it than another. Now I would genuinely say it is a true bipartisan issue. We have support from both sides Democrats, Republicans, everybody. And I think number one, it goes back to like we're living through a vicious pandemic right now. And whether you're Democrat or Republican, no one wants to see that happen again. You know, even though you and I know people are already suffering and they have been for a long time at a mass scale, they're just starting to recognize it, just starting to get it in front of them because of COVID. A statistic that I always really like to give, for example, like about Advocacy Express, and keep in mind, like when you're listening, this is just what we know of because it's up to the Advocacy Express subscribers and supporters to let us know when they get responses back from their representatives, because they do not come to DJ and I, they come directly to you, is that we know in the past year, we have successfully flipped 40 politicians to taking on tick-borne disease, Lyme disease, putting appropriations forward, which is funding for research, for legislative change, which I'm really happy about. And that's split from both sides between both parties are very passionate. We certainly have a few champions from each party that kind of always step up to the plate. But my thing is, it doesn't matter who you are, tick-borne disease can affect you any time, any day, any part of your life. So I literally will talk to anyone about tick-borne disease. doesn't matter what party you're in. doesn't matter how I personally align. You know, I'm like, let's just all come together and get this done because it should be a bipartisan issue. And we are finally seeing that with the passage, you know, of the Cahay and Tick Act, which was that mm-hmm. 91 million dollars that we got passed and then funded. Because just because something's passed doesn't mean it's funded, which is why letters are so important and reaching out to representatives are so important. Because if something's passed and not funded, it really doesn't do anybody any good. But unanimously, like both sides came together on behalf of that legislation to get it passed and then funded and I know as of this month they were going for like another eight million dollars in appropriations and all these things so we're seeing even advancements on both sides as we speak which is nice
0: That's amazing well thank you for all you do and for anybody again advocacy express is where you go to donate so we can get the letters out and keep moving that and get more than 40 you know hopefully
1: we can double that or triple that and just keep increasing our appropriations. Absolutely. And I think, like I said, I think there's a lot more of that out there that we don't even know of. But 40 is a huge improvement, even from when we started this, you know, a year ago. And and the more politicians we can get in front of, you know, the better. So I'm very grateful to anybody, you know, who's willing to send a letter or do any few minutes of advocacy, because it really does make a big difference. You know, people can't even imagine.
0: Okay, great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Allie. And I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. This was so great. And thanks for letting me talk your ear off.
0: <laughs> Always. I can talk about Lyme forever. Each week, I will bring you different voices from the wellness community so that they can share how they help their clients heal. You will come away with tips and strategies to help you get your life back. Thank you so much for coming on. And I'm so happy you are here subscribe now and tune in next week. If you want to learn how I detox and you want to check out my detox for Lime checklist, go to lime 360com forward slash detox checklist. You can also join our community at lime 360 Warriors on Facebook and let's heal together. Thank you.